0: On Monday. I don't think we recorded on a Monday before. With zero sense of what we were going to talk about. Yeah. We were just arguing about something. I don't even remember what it was. We're always arguing about something. Uh, around the table with two Jewish mothers. <laughs> hey, that should be the name of this thing. Two Jewish bros. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, Zionism and go. No, I think uh, one of the things
1: that we talked about before... That I do want to touch on, but I don't think should be the main focus. Don't of worry, this we'll podcast wander. It won't matter. <laughs> is the um, counterintuitive humaneness, humanity, I don't know what the right word would be,
0: of cockfighting. Oh, and, not the, and for our listeners, this is when, uh, this is not when two very svelte, <laughs> young twinks wave their penises at each other and then film it. We're talking this, about rooster fighting. Yeah, this is where a rooster has razor blades strapped to his I uh, Do you back think it's claw. weird that animal fighting has been <laughs> such a theme of this podcast? <laughs> I think it rubs people the wrong way. And I believe my experience with like in real life animal fighting is limited to bullfights in Mexico, which are extremely gory. Yeah. And they've turned me off to the idea of animal fighting so much that while I will defend them in theory, the reality is I would never frequent any activity that involved, like, pitting two animals against each other. Rooster fighting, or cockfighting is also, to my knowledge, extremely bloody. It's pretty brutal. I've only seen videos. I've never been to one in person. I have very little emotional connection to chickens in general, so the idea of... Two very colorful chickens uh, yeah. cutting each other up with razor blades is not offensive to me, but it also is not exactly like exciting to me.
1: Well, so I, I listened to this story, and it made a pretty compelling argument. The argument was that for dog fighting, let's say you know most most dogs that we think of in in the United States or you know the, pets. the developed world are pets, right? Dogs that are. Taken pretty good care of, um, you know. I think there are probably fewer dogs that are outdoor dogs or like strays or true working dogs, and there are just like pet dogs that live in people's houses and get treated pretty well, even at the the lower end of the spe- the pet spectrum. And fighting dogs, you know, might be chained up outside. Like they may not get a lot of human interaction. They're they're really treated kind of as like chattel, right? You gotta and keep then, them angry. And they yeah, I mean and they they die like a pretty brutal death um, false presumption, if, but also if, yes. they, if, they die, <laughs> if they die in the ring, but like you know dogfighting is is gonna be a painful exercise for them, right? the flip side of that that this uh, this article was talking about or the story was that most chickens everywhere in the world uh, maybe more so in the United States because of like industrial agriculture live really shitty lives uh, and short lives and, you know, then get slaughtered. Whereas roosters that are cockfighting roosters tend to be taken really well care
0: of. This is, well the, this is of. the exact same argument that I made about dogfighting. Right? And live
1: really good lives. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that the roosters compared to the
0: average chicken in the United States— Welcome to uh, Moral Relativism 101 with Aaron totally. and Doug. <laughs> yeah, ma'am. I mean, <laughs> my, I, my Western sensibilities dictate that watching my pet pitted against another pet. This is, so let me be clear I'm not condoning or saying
1: that I am for cockfighting. I think, again, I think it's a brutal sport and I don't really see the value in it, nor do I personally ever anticipate gaining any enjoyment from watching that sport. Or that horses. I wouldn't
0: even call it a sport horses are the but sport of kings and uh, your, I don't, I don't enjoy
1: watching horse races either man.
0: Um, which I mean, I think I the care. way horses Dude, are treated is pretty gross there. I too, right? to
1: the, Yeah, I went to the Derby once and did you wear a big hat? No. Um, we I mean, had a, that's what people do, right? In my, in my former career, we had a big office in Louisville and one year I had to go to the Derby and uh, bucket list thing no no it sucked man dude you go you spend all fucking day there it's hot as shit everyone's dressed up and you're waiting you know there's like 10 races right and the actual derby is one of those races and it's later in the day and you're fucking waiting around all day long for this race that lasts what 90 seconds and you can't see it or could I mean, you you could see it from you know depending on where you are on the track but a lot of the people that are there these big parties and like tents and shit yeah they may not even be watching the race The whole thing is this, like, crazy show of extravagance. You know, we flew in. I flew there commercially. Um, Like a peasant? Yeah, like a peasant. (laughs) Um, Dude, we flew in, and, like, one of the runways at the airport in Louisville had been completely shut down just because they needed it for, like, private jet parking, right? Um, That sucked. The day that I left on Sunday... I took a cab to the airport and I got there, you know, expecting the airport to be a shit show. Get to the airport an hour and a half before my flight, clearly no bags to check or anything. And I didn't have my, this is before mobile boarding passes. The fucking line for, I think it was Continental, um, was not only through all the turnstiles, it was out the door of the airport, all the way down the terminal, and then looped back. Before the cab could drive away, I like waved him down and hopped back in. It was like, just take me to the nearest hotel. Because like, you, you weren't going to get through, or what? Because, yeah, I was like, I'm not going. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to be able to check in on time for this flight. What right, a defeatist attitude. So it wasn't a defeatist <laughs> attitude. I was trying to be creative problem solver. So I took it. I took the cab to a hotel close by, an airport hotel. Had the cab wait in the parking lot. Ran in, had to bribe the dude at the desk, let me use their fucking like business center or whatever, so I could print my boarding pass from the hotel. Look, you are a creative problem solver. I just thought you quit and got a hotel room. No, man. Take the fucking cab back to the airport, get through security just in time, only to find out that because the Queen of England had visited that year for the Derby, um, as part of the security precaution for her taking off, the whole airport was shut down from flights landing or taking off for like 45 minutes, so no planes could board. Nothing. Well, she got on her plane. They fucking got everything ready to go. And I was like, you know what? This is fucked up. Like the busiest day. What year was this? Ish. I mean, we could probably Google it. I'm, when I'm the only Queen, I'm only asking know.
0: because I feel like the only so probably v- like 2010. The only viable threat to the Queen of England. Like, uh, it's total bullshit, man. Al-Qaeda is not sitting around going, let's use a valuable U.S.-based man pad missile to shoot down the Queen of England's plane. I mean, I'm certain that some political leadership in Sinn Féin somewhere are thinking that this would be a worthy expenditure of the IRA's resources, but does the IRA even still have an action arm anymore? Like, are they... I don't know, man. I mean, I feel like... The end of the Troubles has been reached. But, I mean, maybe I'm just being naive. Maybe uh, the Irish are still very sore about, you know, English occupation.
1: So she was there in, let's see, 2007. Okay. So there you go, 2007. I feel like it was later than that, but maybe. Oh, yeah. um, in I any mean, event. the
0: point is, I was just curious if it was this was like the late 90s when there nah, were, man. there'd it's, be a credible threat. Dude.
1: You know what? Let the fucking queen, queen fly
0: out on Monday or Tuesday. The queen flies There's, out when the queen flies out. Dude, fuck
1: that. This is America.
0: <laughs> she needs right? a larger plane for all of her corgis, and dude. you're being unreasonable.
1: So I, we, we, I made it to the flight barely in time, right? But yeah. then all of the flights for the rest of the day were late, or, Yeah. taking off. Because the fucking queen decided to fly out. You made it. Which means I missed my connection. Oh. Right? And I'm assuming flying out of Louisville, you have a lot of connections. I had to fly from Louisville to like Cincinnati or or Cleveland or somewhere. Jesus, downgrade. Dude, it was a fucking shit show. I ran through the airport because I thought, you know, like. Maybe I'll make it. Maybe I'll make it. Get there. I take back everything I said about you being a quitter. (laughs) (laughs) I may be slow, but I'm not a quitter. I'm
0: sure at that point you weren't slow either.
1: I was slow. Oh, I've always enough. been slow. <laughs> I've never been a fast runner, for fair sure. Enough. I mean, so, you got there. I think my fastest mile was like six minutes and forty-five seconds. That's not, ever.
0: That's not slow. I'm, but that's like the peak of my yeah, running that's speed. Fast. That's. I mean, it's not like world-class marathon fast. But I mean, like, I don't think I've ever run faster than like a six thirty, six fifteen. Really? Yeah. Never. I see you dipping into the fives. Well, on on like sub splits, like four hundreds and like like full mile. I mean, I don't know, I've never run a single mile for Tom. But I don't think it would be
1: that impressive. We had uh, this lesbian soccer coach is our gym teacher
0: junior year. How did you know she was a lesbian? You just now, and uh <laughs> misogyny one hundred and one. This podcast is so full of good jewels. Well, you just knew she was a lesbian. Maybe she just had a short haircut and didn't want to fuck the other male gym teacher, and then he called her a lesbian, I and mean, then all you little automaton children it wasn't were like from a gym teacher calling oh, no, no, dude, you're, you're
1: you're interpolating way too far on this. I'm just saying, I bet that that same anyway, gym teacher said she had herpes. Is that herpes having lesbian? Dude, I had some some weird gym teachers. Um. She, the first week we did basically like all these PT tests, right? So it was like running a mile, doing all these stairs, like all these kind of like calisthenic tests and all year long, all we did was basically like cross training. So this was, you know, this was before CrossFit. I mean, this
0: is actually like. Did you know that she was lesbian because she insisted that you do all these things with your clothes on, or what? Dude, it had nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> it had nothing to do with that. Although I will.
1: So I'm really hung up on this now. This is going to come back to gym teacher stories. <laughs> so freshman year, we had gym first period, and uh, we were making a lot of noise in the locker room one day, and Mr. Penrod, our gym teacher. Who constantly held over our head that in like 1962 or whatever it was that he he finished college. He had the choice of making seven thousand dollars a year in the NFL as a fucking lineman, or like twelve thousand dollars a year as a gym teacher. And basically, that he, that timing had screwed him from I could have living been. living a fucking real life, and We're instead gonna, he was stuck with us fucks. Could have been a contender. Yeah, um, he got annoyed with us at. Being rowdy in the locker room, which I'm sure we were doing, in our underwear, marched us back out into the gym in front of the senior girls class. And made
0: us do burpees. I feel like these are the kind of things that are completely off limits in the 21st century. Fucking no way would that happen today. Listen here, you little shits. Take your pants off. We're going out to see the senior girls. I mean, like, everyone
1: was in the midst of changing. So it was like whatever state you were in, you were going
0: back out. A lot of people were just in their underwear. So it was
1: like, I don't care what you're doing.
0: Fucking get them back out there. Statistically speaking, if 7,000 people listen to this podcast, how many of them got erections listening to you tell that story? Three, I don't know. (laughs) It's three Peterists listening to this podcast.
1: (laughs) Sophomore year, we had this other, we had another football coach actually, Uh, dude. There was a football coach and a wrestling coach, and the first day, he called us off by roll and lined us up in rows of six, but there weren't an like an even number just divisible by six in the class. So my friend Aaron Stromberg and I were the last two people in the class. How you've known Aaron this long, Stromberg? Yeah, he's awesome.
0: Since how? How old were you guys when you met? Uh, seven. This is like some Stranger Things level friendship.
1: Yeah, man, <laughs> <laughs> it <can> goes <give> <laughs> way back. Um, and those numbers were we, those were the squads for the year. So every sport we did every like four weeks, you were or one whatever, man short or some shit. It was two of us versus six every single time. Fucking. I feel like that's not a very fair division. Dude, soccer. All right. It was like one of <laughs> two us. Two on in, six. Dude, one of us is in goal. Like, the, it's like one on five in the field, you know? <laughs> Fucking floor hockey, two on six. Like, every, in, hey, man, uh, like, what if we just make it like six on six? Like, we join other squads, right? A- like, Aaron six on seven. No, no, no. Against the odds. You can't do six on seven, man. Six is the squad number. Like. Six on two. That's how it goes. This. This. That dude also called Roll every day for the entire year and had my name written down wrong. And after three weeks of correcting him, I just fucking... What did he call you? He had my name written down as Wolham. Um,
0: we will file this as obvious foreshadowing. It's a butcher. <laughs> uh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. But
1: junior year, when we had this cross-training thing, it was great man. We did that test at the beginning of the year and then all year long it was just cross training. Like And
0: then you had a test again. So
1: swimming, yeah, test at the end of the year. You know my my mile at the beginning of the year was probably like I don't know, like 8:30 or something, you know, like some like super average like yeah. high school kid that doesn't work out. Uh, you know, time, and at the end of the year, it was like 6.45. Dude,
0: so. I mean, you're, this entire podcast is a low-key promotion of the SoftLead app.
1: Dude, it is, you know what? Yeah, man, our periods were 42 minutes long, so that included, like, getting changed, getting out onto the field, having some time at the end to change. It was probably the 25-minute sessions every day of doing, like, sprints, you know, sit-ups, push-ups, pull-ups. Did you dread it? Fucking... In the beginning, it sucked ass because um, every day, uh, like I was sweaty as shit, right? And so if we if we went a little bit long, then I didn't have time to shower, and I was just like gross for the rest of the day. I'm in, picturing
0: in that high school guidance counselor from uh, what was what was the movie with the kid who was always like, "If you white, you Ben Affleck." <laughs> oh <laughs> from yeah. Role models, dude. The beginning of that movie is
1: awesome. Um, very similar. Yeah, yeah. You're not. That's the gym teacher. But less. Uh, she wasn't
0: a lesbian. Why did you think this one was a lesbian? Less. I would I'm say really hung up on less this. comedic. Oh, I don't think she. She's funny to us from the outside. If we had to deal with someone like her in real life, she would not be that funny. True. Well, maybe. I, I don't want to get stuck on this issue. About her being a lesbian or her being funny. Her being a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's pivot to things that happened in the 90s that would be considered child sexual abuse now. <laughs> I yeah. went to a summer camp uh, in upstate New York that was all boys, no girls allowed, no girl counselors. The only girl that was there, there was a like an accountant, like some sort of like in-processing. There was an art teacher, and then there was the chief, his wife, Mrs. Chief. Mm-hmm. Chief Chuck had beetling eyebrows there that kind of just like stick out almost like a foot, but it was, rather than trying to tame it, he like leaned into it. So he had these massive eyebrows. Just, they were the defining feature. They were like reading your thoughts. If they got close. I enough. mean, literally, they were like alive because, you know, he had a very expressive forehead. So they're just constantly moving. Mm-hmm. I was the definition of a beetling eyebrow. I was like, holy shit. But to get to the heart of the story, the store, the camp was all about outdoors. And, you know, like, so like the youngest kids were outdoorsmen or woodsmen. And then when you graduated, you became a pioneer. Like, you moved up to these, like, better cabins. The woodsmen had running water. The pioneers had outhouses. And every week you had to, like, put lime in the hole. And once a, once a session, you'd have to, like, move the outhouses and <laughs> dig a new hole, you know? So it's like you're just learning about nature. Yeah. When But when I say there's no running water, like, the running water for the youngest kids up to about 10, I guess. It was, like, 8 to 10 they had running water but only for the shitter so and there was like a constant like this camp would inundate you with how to be a better outdoorsman so like if it's yellow let it mellow if it's brown flush it down so they'd teach you that if you you know piss in the toilet don't flush it cuz it's a waste of water right it ruins the septic system but it was on this beautiful lake uh, when you graduated from being a pioneer, you moved to be an Indian. There's this island on the lake that they had all these teepees and log, like long houses, set up on. And these kids moved out there, and you lived in like legit teepees. That's pretty rad, man. It was super cool. A bunch of outdoorsman outdoorsman skills got taught: archery, like how to build bows, how to set snares, like how to identify all kinds of different um, trees and edible and inedible plants. And you know, it's it was a very cool camp. Also, no running water for like showers or baths or anything. So every morning, every kid in camp of all ages would get in flip-flops and carry a towel over their shoulder completely naked and walk or run depending from their cabin or teepee out to the lake. And they would have a giant deal where the only soap you're allowed to use is ivory soap. And you would Hock your fucking soap bar as far as you could out in the lake and then just dive in headfirst. There's like hundreds of naked kids just hurling themselves into ice-cold upstate New York lakes, (laughs) chasing down a bar of soap and then very unenthusiastically lathering up as fast as possible to sprint back out and dry off. And every day was... Like, waking up was like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) We have to run naked down to this lake. And, like, you know, kids are fucking self-conscious. No one wants to, like, you're learning. You're like, oh, fuck it. This is, like, Lord of the Flyer shit. You know, like, turns into a foot race, blown out (laughs) flip-flops and stubbed toes. And, dude, I mean, like, nude wrestling is you're, like, trying to, this is my bar of soap. (laughs) Dude. I look back, I'm like, how the fuck does this camp... I mean, I'm, I'm reasonably certain that this camp still does that. Really? Great experience, man. Like, I, everybody I've ever known that I've met that went to camp there has always said nothing but positive stuff about it. Yeah. But, I mean, it is 2019, and I, I'm i pretty certain that they're still still doing group nude baths in the lake. Dude, it doesn't take long to, to go primitive, you know? I mean, you, take, you get out of
1: the, the system for like a week in the right circumstances, and... That shit becomes normal.
0: Well, I used to. All the big kids used to scare us by telling us that there were northern pike in the lake and that one of them's gonna bite our dicks off. You know, and all of us were like, "Oh shit!" Like, did anybody feel the northern pike, the, <laughs> dude? The place we went to camp,
1: I, like. We called them nipple fish. There were like these f- fish that would fucking come up and yep, like nibble on you, bite you on the fucking nipple.
0: Just a nipple, nowhere else? Yeah. yeah. It's like they were sexualized early in their <laughs> fish Some, shoes. Something weird, man.
1: <laughs> something weird for They're sure. Attracted to your milk pheromones. We had a counselor there, this dude was a fucking Northwoods, Wisconsin hunter. And uh every year for the fucking like hide and seek. You know, contest. It was like whoever could find the most counselors. You know, it was basically they would like go hide somewhere, and they had like fucking tickets, right? So, um, if you found a counselor, you fucking got their shit. This dude would get fucking all done up, head to toe, and like fucking camo, and basically like garbage bags, and just go find some huge fucking pile of fucking poison ivy, man, Uh, like poison oak, uh, and just sit right in the fucking middle of it, man, just luring kids in, (laughs) fucking. (laughs) You get all fucked for the next
0: couple of weeks. Uh, dude, that sounds awful. Fucking dickhead. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, man, I oftentimes look back and I'm like, no wonder I'm so fucked up as an adult, right? Like, here we are talking about uh, all of the, the random formative moments yeah. that led us to be here. Actually, you know
1: what? This conversation is making me realize I'm having a moment of catharsis right now. Why I keep pushing you to do a fucking boundary waters trip. And the reason is because at this camp, which I only went to for two years, there was an option for eight weeks. You could go to the camp. Holy shit. Yeah. You go to the camp and there was like two counselors that would take a fucking like little short bus, right? Yep. With like seven or eight kids. And it was a fucking eight week boundary water canoe trip. And we were thinking at the time, like, that's really like That's we're, a really, we're like already really kind of like time. away from home. Yeah. That's like a lot of time to be camping out somewhere uh, and part of the reason going to camp was like You want to be in the cabin with like all the, the kids and like the fucking big bonfire and like all the activities And yeah. that kind of shit. So it's like why would I leave this to go on this little camping trip? But have you, you always know, felt that you wished you'd done that. I wouldn't say always but when I got older probably like late late high school I I think
0: I realized, like, dude... See, I walked away with the exact opposite experience, which is that when I went to Deerfoot Lodge in upstate New York, they had canoe trip options, too, which seemed super cool as a kid, but the hardest thing for me to learn on the lake was, like, the J-stroke and keeping my canoe going straight. So, like, me out there, I'm like, hard right, hard left, hard right. I never actually got the J-stroke. So, when I did go on a canoe trip... I was like uh, really paranoid that my inability to do an efficient J stroke would be a huge liability, which it would have been if the trip had been anything other than us portaging canoes <laughs> for like a 12 mile hike. So, for anyone who's listening who's never been on a canoe, dude, this is what got you into special forces. Yeah, portaging is the part where you don't have enough water to float your canoe. So, you have to pick it up and put it on your head and carry it along with all the other crap that you had in your canoe with you. It is not the picturesque version of canoeing down a river that you have thought. It is just something. It is misery. It's like, man, I came here prepared to float in a canoe and have a great time. And instead, I'm in flip-flops or water shoes, walking like two or three miles at a time, bypassing rapids, finding the water's too low afterwards, and just, well, we're going to walk with the canoe some more. You're like, why did we bring a canoe if we were just going on a hike?
1: Dude, one of my wife's friends was telling me about a boundary water trip he did with some high school buddies where they went kind of like into the back country and they didn't secure their food. So two days into the trip, they wake up to find out that a bear had come and like eaten like 90% of their food. So they don't have enough to stay for the rest of the week. Did they eat each other? They did not eat each other. Weak sauce. They decided to go back, but they still have like one or two days left of food, right? So we're like, let's just... Wait until we're out of food And then turn head, around and then head back That's a foolish move which is a fucking Dumbass plan right yep so they Wait and while they're waiting this Like crazy rainstorm comes in And just fucking Soaks the ground and soaks the ground and soaks The ground so he's like Now we're starting to get worried you Know what if like what if we can't go back The way that we wanted to go back And they start making their way Back on the rain stops and they Had to portage like a mile and a half, two miles. He's like, it had rained so much that that whole section just turned to like this, like really soupy mud. And it was a mile and a half to two miles of like post holing, like waist deep in this mud. So he's like, it took us all day Like and we had to
0: use the canoe to burning burning calories at an exponential rate to
1: make sure that we didn't you know like totally sink like they're like bridging
0: they're bridging with the canoe
1: oh my god and he was like it was the only upside was that the whole time I kept thinking I'll never have to do anything in my life that's more difficult than this.
0: I have told most likely yeah, I've told myself that over and over again <laughs> and, throughout and my proving life yourself to be yeah, wrong throughout my life. I'm like, man, this is the hardest thing I'll ever do. I'll never do anything <laughs> this hard again. And then I turn around. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I, <don't>, like, <laughs> I was a goddamn liar. <laughs> All right, this is the hardest yep. thing i ever No, heard. but seriously, anyone who's listening to this bottom of the podcast, get yourself excited for this Boundary Waters trip that Aaron, <laughs> Aaron's really been pushing us to do. I think it could be super <laughs> no, rad, Every man. time Aaron brings it up, it's literally like... like I get more PTSD thinking about a canoe <laughs> trip than I do thinking about Afghanistan. I'm like, no, no, let's not do that. Do you know? I think it could be cool. I mm-hmm. know oh, it's it, yeah, totally. All right, uh, what about Sh- Sean Sh- took Ryan the one of mm-hmm. the two broke boys fishing. Yeah. So I actually think that we broke Ryan. Sean Sinsky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We broke Ryan the summer because really? um, I told him. Did Sean's a fucking legit athlete, man? No, for sure. I I only broke Ryan because. I gave him very little guidance about where to go. He he sent me a I quit, um, message. "I quit" message. Really? Not in so. When some, was that? Um, yesterday. All right. Yeah, he was like, "I just finished fishing with Sean. I'm going home to make money on construction for the rest of the summer." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, you didn't hit like three. I didn't. I didn't even push it." I'm like, "Okay, man, you do you. You know what I mean." Yeah, fine with Sean. He, why is he doing that? Because he didn't make any fucking like he cause he was an idiot for taking this fucking quote unquote I'm gonna use air quotes on the on the podcast, this job. <laughs> like, it wasn't a job. No, we was I wasn't paying him anything anyway. I paid him more than I agreed to pay I him. I thought the intention was
1: they were doing this
0: anyway. That was what he said, but I think he pitched it to his parents as though he was going to make some money doing this, which He did. He would have made more if he'd actually gotten me the content that he said he was going to get me, like, in a timely manner. But, like, the funny thing is, he wasn't making any real money. For, for like, ten weeks of of traveling, he was going to make a thousand bucks, you know? It's like, that is is not money. Like, you think you can shoestring that, but that is, like, ramen and borrowed water money. (laughs) You know? Like, it's... You don't even have money for gas to get where you're going. Time to change the Instagram password, huh? <laughs> no. He uh, hilariously, I mean, they they had a good time. They saw some, you know, they saw some great guys. They had fun. They hit some of the high point places I needed them to hit. Um, but he went to hang out with Sean, and Sean sent me pictures of them. And I was just laughing because one of the pictures was Ryan, like, teetering on one leg in the middle of a river, like with his arms swinging in a really like, you can tell it's like an action shot that's frozen in time. And Sean was like, well, that was a mayfly hatch. And I'm like, Oh, I can see them. They're like little spots all over the place. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, the joke is that, uh, he almost fell in the river there. And I was like, I'd say it would appear that he almost did, you know? Um, uh, but yeah, like there's a reason in my mind that we never see Sean Sinsky in a canoe on, I mean, he's, he spends a lot of time by these rivers he seems perfectly happy to walk in and fly fish and then walk out. All right. We'll ask him. How about this? If Sean's willing to do a boundary waters trip with you. Hard no. No matter what. No matter what. Still seems like a bad idea. I can't think of a reason that I'd want to go to the Midwest in the middle of summer When all of the bugs are in full, like, flagrante, (laughs) it's like, this is, everything is up, right? It's, like, warm, and everything's happy, and it's literally like, hey, the idea of driving to Alaska in the middle of winter, that's not daunting to me. Driving to Alaska in the middle of summer, that is, just because I don't want to have to, like, swap mosquitoes that are the size of bats, you know? Like, no, man, I'm cool. I'm trying to get into the Jurassic Park shit. What about
1: kayaking into, like, there's... I think you can get permits to go. Do you think go... that it gets
0: more fun <clears throat> when you get into a smaller boat? Because I, I think that that's false.
1: Hold on. <laughs> I think you can get permits to kayak into a Tracy Arm Fjord in Alaska, and there's like little islands in the fjord that you can camp in, and I think that would be pretty fucking rad. Is it arrogant to call it a fjord when it's in Alaska? It's called Tracy Arm Fjord. Yeah. I mean, that's its name. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. What
1: do you mean you don't know? I mean, that's literally its name.
0: I think it should be called uh, Tracy Arm Ravine Inlet? with
1: water in it. <laughs> All right. Fair enough.
0: Um, That'd be cool. You could, Can I mean, Can the people listening to this podcast hear the reticence in my... Like, I haven't said anything because I'm sitting here thinking about how miserable this sounds. Why does it sound miserable? Because it's a. it is a long, undefined trip across open... Waters. It's not really open waters. I mean, you're right. It's in an inlet. Yeah. A fjord. A fjord, <laughs> if you will. I would rather do it in Sweden or Norway, mainly just because I feel like... That's how I stumble onto a cult. That is, dude, you're <laughs> fucking hooked on this thing, man. I like the fact that Nick was like, so I think you actually like that. is the like third that. podcast. You <laughs> like, you think you like that movie? He brought it up twice <laughs> now. <laughs> no one's
1: going to sign up to go on a trip where they get killed by a fucking Swedish death cult.
0: As opposed to um, signing up to go on a trip where they get killed by uh, the elements in Alaska. Dude, in the summertime? You're not going to get killed by the elements. When the weather is hot and the black bears come down to chew on your spot, I can make a reggae song about it. No, nah, man. In the summer well, when when weather weather hot. seriously, though. If,
1: I think if there's camping on I an island that, in a that, Swedish
0: fjord. I think this is an ideal trip for you to lead. I'm not a trip leader, man. But you love this trip. You should lead it. <clears throat> we'll discuss it. <laughs> like, this is like when Bill is like, hey, man. I really think that you should do this workout. All right, cool. Hey, how about you do it? Come on, we'll film you. It's totally cool. And he's like, fuck you, man. This is your job. Well, I accept that it's my job. Also, your enthusiasm for this activity that I am not enthusiastic about. Hold on. I would go on this trip. Mm -hmm. I just don't think I'm the trip leader. I can accept that
1: caveat. People don't want to come on trips to hang out with me, man.
0: They want to come on I trips be- to hang out with you. I believe no one actually likes me that much. And if you were the trip leader, people would come. Mm, I disagree. Who is Aaron? You're an enigma, a riddle. I'm a fucking old, slow guy, man. Just like a large number of people who come on these events. <laughs> Flatlanders interested in a bucket list trip. It's true. Our <clears> first <throat> mountain climbing exhibition had two people who never left the state of Texas and four people who were living at zero feet elevation who foolishly thought that it was totally okay. They're like, hey man, we'll just show up and climb a 14,000 foot mountain. They did not. (laughs) I mean, in fact, climb said 14,000 foot mountain. It was a 50% success rate, but you know. All right, we'll think, I wanna just, I want us to have some cool trips. You're really into the idea of small boats.
1: I feel like it, it sounds that way. I think it's more about trying to find something to do that involves water.
0: Mm. I don't like water. Right. Unless it's on a powerboat. Like I'm I'm still sore about the wakeboarding trip getting canceled. It's not on message. I'm like, what? No, stop. Literally half the people that follow us want to smoke weed and and do wakeboarding or surfing. There was a dude that I knew in Louisville.
1: Going back to that. Tie it all together. He had a pontoon boat that was made by this Kentucky hillbilly company that puts like party barge V8 inboards in these pontoon boats. What? Yeah, so it's like 500 horsepower pontoon boats. You know, that go like 70 miles. I'm saying this sounds super dangerous.
0: <laughs> I can picture you having one of those. I could too. Also, I could picture dying on one of these things. Let me see if I can find. Dude, it. those things float anyway with a, with a an outboard motor on them. Like, if you get them going, the whole front ends are like it's like a fucking uh, hydrofoil. Yeah, I'm, there was uh, as Aaron googles this boat. Have you watched the videos of the jet boats? Like hillbilly jet boat shit where they're like running them down back creeks and launching them off of berms and shit. Dude, those things, I feel like you really need
1: Manitou pontoon boats. Manitou's a regular brand of a pontoon boat, right? They make a 600 horsepower pontoon boat. Oh my God. Well. But these are, well, these are outboards.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like Manitou makes regular. uh... This was a different company. Something weird and custom.
1: Mm, It wasn't weird and custom, but it was like all they did was make Manitou is the
0: benchmark in the pontoon boat industry. Things I never thought I would read in print. Like when I see people that get party barges, I'm like, is your family that big or your gene pool that shallow that you really need a low draft boat that's essentially a bunch of kegs strapped under some flat decking? Avalon, apparently, there's a whole high
1: speed pontoon boat industry now. This one's got three pontoons. Tri-tunes.
0: What's that yeah, shit?
1: I'm, I'm checking that one out. I don't, I don't think that's the same. None of this, this all, this is a mystery to me. tri Uh At the time, I think this was like Playcraft. Maybe that was the one. Some of these, dude, some of
0: these boats have straight Metal up, Thunder. <laughs> these, these boats have fucking goddamn towers. Mm-hmm. So that you can pull a fucking wakeboarder behind you. But they don't make any wake. Why would you want that? I don't get it, man. I'm so confused. Like this is this is the worst bottom barrel ever because you and I have both gotten sucked this one, into googling <laughs> high performance
1: pontoon boats. This one did not have a tower. It did, it looked like it was the whole thing was like it was like a sleeper pontoon boat, right? I don't. are we racing them? No. I, it's just a fucking. I don't know, man. Some fucking
0: hillbilly on a river somewhere. It's like a fox body Mustang. Mm-hmm. They might have been sleepers in the 90s, but now if I see a dude pull up to a stoplight with a Fox body, I just assume that this dude has way too much time on his hands and that it's an 800-horsepower car. It must be, man. Yeah, no one else drives Fox bodies still.
1: There was a bar in Illinois on the Fox River, I think. I forget what it was. Man, I'm going to have to look up. The was name it the called Foxy Bodies? No, but uh, it was a bar that was like basically a giant barge in the middle of the river. So you could either go out there with your own boat, or you know you could like pay at the dock. They had like a, f- a ferry service. You know it was like five dollar cover
0: to like It literally sounds like porkies.
1: I think you would have been king of that place, man. Porkies, dude. That's I, every. You would have shown up in like some fucking super <laughs> custom. I don't have like, the money for that. I show up no, in I'm a seventeen like, foot Sea rig. I'm thinking like Young Doug back in the day. If you take all the like off road wheeling focus.
0: I don't know and how you make a, a boat like that badass. And like shifted it to boats. <laughs> a jet boat. Like a 14-foot a jet boat real loud with some fucking wakeboard speakers on it so I could play foul rap
1: music. Man, someone's going to be yelling out of the fucking speaker on this one, but it was a floating bar, and it, what was it called? It was like... Porkies, you're literally Blarney think- Island. That's what it was called. It's, a, it's an island of lies. <laughs> it was a fucking floating barge that sold overpriced drinks. I mean, it sounds like a sounds like a dream. Here's the thing, though, is that if you went as a dude and didn't have a boat, you were basically just like <laughs> like hanging out like uh, fucking dick in hand, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, but the real question is, did having a boat let you hang out with titties in hand? I never went there with a the boat, so I wouldn't know. I was never really so I had a I was part of a boat culture in the sense that my dad had a boat. Mm-hmm. And when I was fourteen, I was allowed to take the like small craft captain's course or whatever. I got a license that allowed me to ride that boat around Lake Conroe in you know, north of Houston. And I had a great time. My parents actually trusted me enough to drive around on it on the lake. It was awesome. I really had a great time. Surprising. Yeah, no, it was a foolish move on their part. I don't think I ever wrecked it, wrecked it. I think that I may have run it up against some stumps every now and then, but no major damage was done. Um, I do, I I was too young to be indoctrinated into super foul like lake rat culture, you know, like (laughs) I didn't get, I would go to bars where there were lewd women hanging out in like Confederate flag bikinis and I would feel like I was part of the crew, but also I was like a less than five foot tall, 85 pound small person driving a boat with my other friends who were not quite as small as me. Uh. Um, and I never, Got fully ingrained in. Just missed it by that. a few years. Yeah, I mean, so when I graduated college and didn't have a job, and was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, and it was I was still I was still insistent that I wasn't going to go back to the oil field. That was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I spent a good three or four months living on Lake Conroe with a buddy of mine named Jack, and he had a sweet uh, Aaron Autique two hundred and twenty. And when we rode that thing every day. I was such a bum. I literally, I'm, I'm genuinely surprised my parents didn't raise more fuss about it. I lived in a, in a family house that we had, like a family property. And every day it was like, wake up at 8 in the morning, go wakeboarding with my buddy Jack, say I was looking for a job, <laughs> you know, put in a few digital applications, and then um, wakeboard all day, eat lunch at the country club, You know, it was like grilled cheese sandwiches and waffle fries with a Jack and Coke to start the afternoon, drink a little bit, wakeboard some more, stay up till two in the morning telling stories and, you know, like just hanging out and then doing it all over again. Like, I mean, I did that for like three months. I had a really good time. I still don't think I was Lake culture. I'm still friends with people that are in that life. Most of those guys like give me a hard time when I was scheduling the wakeboarding weekend. One of the guys works for Malibu Boats now. Yeah. He was like, dude, we'll get free boats up on the lake. It'll be like, we'll relive the 2004 summer. And I'm like, um, yeah, this sounds awesome. Cute Kid Rock soundtrack. Oh, bro. So much of that. And Limp Bizkit. And then Brent, <laughs> then Brent pulls out his RPG and smokes it. He's like, no wakeboarding weekend for you. I was like, oh, man.
1: I think we can find something that includes water and watercraft that isn't
0: wakeboarding mm-hmm. on the lake. Canoeing trips, <laughs> <laughs> canoeing, kayaking. That's cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna sponsor a um, backcountry paddleboarding. No, uh, it's terrible. I'm gonna do an open water shark hunt with spear guns in kayaks and ocean going kayaks.
1: Actually you know what doing some fucking shark diving in Mexico would be a pretty rad trip.
0: Yeah and when three people who show up die from you No you're fullest... doing the cage man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, I bet there's a lot of ANSI testing going on in those cages. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing a cage man. Spoken like a true pussy. <laughs> nah bro. Dude. You gotta put the chain <clears throat> the chain mail suit on
1: are you saying that you would get in the water with chummed water with great whites not in a
0: cage. Absolutely not. I wouldn't do any of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would show up and be like well this is fun. They which wouldn't one even you, let you do that shit. Which one of you it is going first. I see people do it in those male suits all the time. Not with gray whites, I don't think. I don't do they know. do it with gray whites? Don't uh, like? Fuck if I know. I don't think so. This is also an episode where someone's going to be yelling into the radio. Probably. I think you can do it with smaller shark. I'm in, pretty sure you can do suits. anything you want in Mexico. Safe to say. Fair enough. I mean, when you're like, ah, no, man, you can't do that. I'm like, man... You can do anything in Mexico. Let's. I think we should put together a cool Central American trip. I do, too, and I think it should be mundane and vanilla and white girl-based. It should be a nice house in Costa Rica centered around some introductory Dude, surfing Shark lessons. diving
1: is fucking white girl-based. You get on a boat, you fucking get in the water in a
0: cage. <clears throat> Attention, all listeners to the Bottom of the Barrel podcast. <laughs> if you know a white girl who got into a cage with great white sharks around her and the water was chummed, Please send us an email. I would like to have her on a bottom of the barrel podcast. Yes, definitely. It, that's some fucking tourist shit, right I, there, man. I bet we get all the emails to that fucking app. Like literally fifty thousand white girls later. But hey, also white girls, if you went to Costa Rica hey, and you had a really video,
1: wanted to do it, would you do it?
0: Shark diving in
1: Costa Rica? Yeah. Like how many Not, people? I don't know if you can do it in Costa Rica. I know you can do it in Mexico. <laughs> A place where
0: you can do anything. (laughs) Um, I'm into a shark diving trip in Mexico as long as there are prostitutes and lots of illicit substances back at our villa. And hopefully uh, I get to hang out with El Chapo in the same house. No, for real, man. I'm being for real, too. I would like to hang out with El Chapo. I want to know about Would you just do the shark diving? I don't know. It doesn't sound fun. And it also sounds dangerous and scary, like my butthole would be inverted. <laughs> I think it'd be cool to see a shark that close up. I mean, probably. I, as someone who thought the bear in the cage in Kurdistan was way smaller from the outside
1: looking in, <laughs> like when I got in with it. that to me, I don't like... I got in the that cage. That sounds
0: way more dangerous to me. It was a domesticated bear in Domest- my... That is, that is an oxymoron. <laughs> but the, these these are wild sharks. I have seen enough Hollywood movies that are completely inaccurate, which I understand, about sharks that are vicious and can like chew through oil platforms that I don't feel comfortable getting in a cage with one. Shark Chris, Car- <laughs> yeah. Chris Carnahan posted that video of him getting in a cage with sharks. And I was like, wow, this is something that only a base jumper would do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll look into it. Yeah. a hey, white girls, uh, just as a matter of, uh, you know, comparison also if you've if you've enjoyed a a skinny white latte in Costa Rica also send an email in we'll compare how many of you have done one and not the other last question uh-oh
1: i think we'll see if anyone even responds <laughs> to this would people want to see a bottom of the barrel recorded from a sushi venue
0: in Tokyo i love the fact that this was a hard pivot to the left <laughs> Like, I want to go to Tokyo. I don't care if the listeners want to hear a fucking bottom of the barrel from there or not. I think we should go. I mean, you and I, like, you're clearly a sensitive man, but we are, uh, we're so tattooed. Like, everyone's going to look at us weird anyway. We're going to be clearly a sensitive man. What does that have to do with? No, like, you're sensitive to Japanese cultural mores. I'm just going to go out there and talk about Pearl Harbor and shit. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna wreak havoc on this sushi bar the same way that Hirohito... My experience
1: has been that anywhere the tattoos matter, you're going to fucking clear out the room before you even say anything.
0: Mm. Well, no one thinks that we're fucking Yakuza.
1: No, that's what I'm saying. The yeah. fucking fact that you're like a white dude in like a fucking like, Japanese bathhouse or something like that, you're going to walk in, they're going to be like, fuck this guy. I don't...
0: Even want to share the same water as this dude? Oh, because we're white. Yeah, oh, dude, I love other people other places where it's super racist and I get to be the target of the racism. Yeah, it's so rare in the U.S. Like, it's nice to just walk into a Japanese bathhouse and take my white privilege off and hang it on a coat hanger and be like, I'm gonna leave this here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was
0: my experience, at least. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I think this is fun. And can we stay in a shitty hotel where the bed? Rolls out it's like a, a space Hotel dude Lisa and I
1: stayed in a Place uh that was clearly like a Businessman like fuck shack it Can was, you fucking those little things that roll? Dude, out? It was 80 bucks a night and you couldn't open the door to the room fully because the bed was in But annoying. that's a
0: room room. I want the, like, the...
1: <laughs> you want, like, the coffee yeah. hotel? <laughs> I want a <laughs> coffin hotel. You can stay at a coffin hotel, man. I, I want it
0: to make noise as the thing <laughs> comes out. And then I'm like, I can pretend that I'm going into cryogenic sleep as it, like... Rolls me away, and I'll try to have a panic attack about the thing potentially locking and me being stuck in there. We can hook you up with that. Yeah, it would be cool. I would I would take a a uh, GoPro camera in there with me, and I would document the whole thing like alone. Perfect. An hour seven, I still haven't gotten sleep. (laughs) The the Japanese man next to me is making weird noises. On that note, I gotta go make a phone call. Oh man, I have to go return videotapes. So until next time, until next time, Avita Zane.